not attended to, society itself may eventually spontaneously combust, as does one of the characters. Parasites like Skimpole and Turvydrop, and leeches like Smallweed, are contrasted with characters who continually work for good, like Jarndyce, the good-hearted Esther, and Joe, the crossing sweeper, symbolically cleaning the dirty London streets. The story is told by two narrators, a unique feature of Dickens's work. Esther self-effacingly tells her own story, whilst an anonymous voice unravels the mystery of Lady Dedlock's story. Dickens includes a vast range of characters to give a panoramic view of English society from top to bottom, and how the highest and the lowest interact. Such diversity also helped him in the construction of what is essentially a mystery story, a whodunit, where characters and plot strands appear like clues and can just as likely turn out to be red herrings. Bleak House could in fact be called the first detective novel in English literature, as it predates The Moonstone by Wilkie Collins, which is often credited to be the first, by fifteen years. All the ingredients we associate with the classic fictional detective are in place in the characterization of Bucket. He is enigmatic, single-minded in his pursuit of the criminal, ruthless and clever. It was a genre that obviously fascinated Dickens, as he explored it further in Our Mutual Friend and the Unfinished The Mystery of Edwin Drood. On its publication, Bleak House received considerable criticism from the institutions it attacked, but this did not for one moment damage the book's popularity. It sold twice as many copies as the author's previous success, David Copperfield, in the preface to the first edition of the book, Dickens sounds ecstatic. I believe I have never had so many readers as in this book. May we meet again. London and the Fog London, Michaelmas term lately over, and the Lord Chancellor sitting in Lincoln's Inn Hall. Implacable November weather as much mud in the streets as if the waters had but newly retired from the face of the earth, and it would not be wonderful to meet a megalosaurus forty feet long or so, waddling like an elephantine lizard up Hoburn Hill. Smoke lowering down from chimney-pots, making a soft black drizzle, with flakes of soot in it as big as full-grown snowflakes, gone into mourning, one might imagine, for the death of the sun. Dogs, undistinguishable in mire, Horses scarcely better, splashed to their very blinkers. Foot passengers jostling one another's umbrellas in a general infection of ill-temper, and losing their foothold at street corners, where tens of thousands of other foot passengers have been slipping and sliding since the day broke, if the day ever broke, adding new deposits to the crust upon crust of mud, sticking at those points tenaciously to the pavement, and accumulating at compound interest. Fog everywhere. Fog up the river, where it flows among green aits and meadows. Fog down the river, where it rolls defiled among the tiers of shipping and the waterside pollutions of a great and dirty city. Fog on the Essex marshes, fog on the Kentish heights. Fog creeping into the cabooses of collier brigs. Fog lying out on the yards and hovering in the rigging of great ships. Fog drooping on the gunwales of barges and small boats. Fog in the eyes and throats of ancient Greenwich pensioners wheezing by the firesides of their wards. Fog in the stem and bowl of the afternoon pipe of the wrathful skipper down in his close cabin. 
Fogg cruelly pinching the toes and fingers of his shivering little prentice boy on deck. Chance people on the bridges peeping over the parapets into a nether sky of fog, with fog all round them, as if they were up in a balloon and hanging in the misty clouds. Gas looming through the fog in divers' places in the streets, much as the sun may, from the spongy fields, be seen to loom by husbandman and ploughboy. Most of the shops lighted two hours before their time, as the gas seems to know, for it has a haggard and unwilling look. The raw afternoon is rawest, and the dense fog is densest, and the muddy streets are muddiest, near that leaden-headed old obstruction, appropriate ornament for the threshold of a leaden-headed old corporation, Temple Bar. And hard by Temple Bar, in Lincoln's Inn Hall, at the very heart of the fog, sits the Lord High Chancellor in his High Court of Chancery.